each one of these things that Janet Yellen said, based on a classical economic theory that you learn is stuff that's in the past. It's not stuff that would be indicating what the future trends would be given the changes we're seeing, the rising interest rates, rising inflation, and, and rising interest rates will likely also cause housing problems. So I think all of that just kind of just doesn't make sense to me. Welcome to the Market Call Show, where we discuss what's happening in the markets and the impact on your investments. Tune in every Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to the Market Call Show. This is Louis Giannis. I am the founder of WealthNet Investments. Today, we have an interesting topic, and I'm really excited about diving in, so let's get going. talk a little bit about what's moving the markets these days. There are so many different crosswinds. There's so many different views that are out there. So I thought I'd just give you a little bit of perspective about what's coming across my desk and how I'm interpreting things and what I'm seeing as the trends that are currently in place right now. So first thing I was going to mention was that the Senate confirmed Powell to a second term to lead the Fed. That was not a strange surprise or anything like that. But what's more interesting is what the Fed has been up to and some of the comments that the Fed has been saying. The Fed has really been talking more about rate hikes again. That in, in itself is not necessarily a uh, surprise, but I think when you start putting it in perspective with other things that are going on, it kind of puts things in context. So the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco president, Mary Daly, backed raising interest rates by a half percentage point at each central bank's next two meetings. So that'd be June and July. So let's say she's right, then we would have a full one percentage point increase in interest rates. Well, that doesn't sound like a lot unless you put things kind of in perspective in terms of where values are and how the markets are valuing stocks. So when we look at the discount rate, we try to discount back cash flows. If we add another one percentage point to that and maybe add some inflation to that expectation, then you have a different calculus. And based on where the values are now, that would make a lot of stocks still very expensive. So that's something to really consider. Another thing that crossed my desk that I thought was interesting was that Russia said that they might cut gas supplies in Finland. Uh, so, you know, who knows whether they're going to do that or not. But what I will say, I look at the technicals of the energy markets and the natural gas market, the gasoline market, and the oil market still remain in a bullish upward trend. There was a little bit of a pause there, but it appears that they are resuming their upward trend, which would imply that we have more to go on the upside with inflation, really. And when you consider that that is something that the Fed has been really looking at, and the fact that we've actually had some restrictions here in the US, then that really supports higher inflation as well, even more so. We did get inflation numbers that came in and they were higher than expected as well. You probably have already heard that news. But one of the things that I think punctuates what's going on is when Biden said that he was going to cancel oil and gas drilling leases in the Gulf of Mexico and the Alaska coast, that was a Wall Street Journal article. They, he said he was going to cancel plans to auction drilling rights in three regions off the U.S. coastline later this year, adding more friction to the uneasy relationships with the oil industry during a period of high gasoline prices. So it appears that we are not kind of helping that equation, although we have the ability to increase supplies, we're not. 
and we're choosing to buy them from other providers. That combined with what's going on in Russia, it just appears that the trend continues for higher inflation. We saw producer price numbers came in and they continue to be high. They were 11%-ish, similar to the last monthly reading that we had. So what was interesting to me was something that Janet Yellen said. You know, Janet Yellen, who used to be on the Federal Reserve Board, is now actually the U.S. Treasury Secretary. And she gave several reasons as to why she thinks that the Fed can bring down inflation without causing a recession. So I went through each one of those reasons, and I wanted to give you my take on that. So I'll just read this. This is a Reuters article. She said that U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said that she believes the Federal Reserve can bring down inflation without causing a recession because of, number one, a strong U.S. job market. Okay, so let's just stop and talk about that. One of the problems that I have with this logic is that, as if I remember my economics right, the job market is actually a lagging indicator, which means that jobs tend to move after the economy has moved into a recession. So you won't see that as a leading indicator, but she's actually saying that we're not going to go into a recession because we have a strong job market. That doesn't make sense to me. I mean, by the time you start seeing the job numbers come down, then that doesn't make sense. It's not a leading indicator. So let's keep going. Her second reason why was that the household balance sheets were strong. Well, if we continue to raise rates, then that is likely to hit home prices, which is one of the biggest parts of the household balance sheet. So that would make the balance sheets look worse in the future based on the trends that are happening right now. So that's, again, that's another lagging indicator. The other thing is that as inflation has been rising and a lot of people are seeing this, people are having to spend more and more of their cash because they're being more strapped because costs are going up. That hurts their balance sheet too because the cash balances go down. So that doesn't make sense to me. Another reason why she thinks they can bring this thing down without a recession is low debt costs. Okay, well, see, that doesn't make sense too because if interest rates are rising, debt costs are going to be increasing. So they won't be low anymore. So that's another one of those. That's what we have right now, but that's not necessarily where the trends are headed. I don't know. I just don't get it. But I think she's talking more like a politician and less like an economist at this point. The other thing, and I know she knows all these things, uh, it's just things that have to be said in order to kind of hold things together, I guess. Also, she says a strong banking sector. Now that I agree with. We have a strong banking sector and the Fed is keeping the banks strong so that they're likely to stay strong. So I don't see that being so much of a problem unless we start having a lot of defaults and things like that, which could hurt the banking sector in the future. But hopefully you could see that from my opinion, each one of these things that Janet Yellen said, based on a classical economic theory that you learn is stuff that's in the past. It's not stuff that would be indicating what the future trends would be given the changes we're seeing, the rising interest rates, rising inflation, and and rising interest rates will likely also cause housing problems. So I think all of that just kind of just doesn't make sense to me. But anyhow, so that's an interesting thing that we have. I think we have people talking about more from a political perspective, trying to make things look more rosy than they actually are, when in reality, things are really slowing down here, it appears. I want to talk a little bit more about the central bank here. This is from a commentary I got from Stansbury, which I thought was very interesting. Basically, what they're saying here is that the Federal Reserve wants to kill housing. And I thought, wow, okay, that's a very controversial topic. But when you listen to this or when you read this, it kind of makes some sense because 
Right now, the central bank is looking at this and saying, look, most of the consumer price index rise comes from housing. Like according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, the housing market makes up roughly 40% of the costs of the consumer price index. So we also have the supply constraints, right, that are causing inflation. And then we also have what's happening in Europe, right, in the Ukraine. Now, they can't control the Ukraine so much. There's less control there other than that we could be drilling more, which we're not doing, or we could be bringing more supply to the market energy-wise. And they also can't control what's happening with the other factors that I mentioned. So I think what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to deal with really slowing demand down, slowing prices down from the housing market, which is not something that my friends who are in the real estate business want to hear. But it appears like that's kind of the only lever they can pull from that perspective. Now, yes, they can pull levers from pulling money out of the money supply, which they're doing too. I read the Federal Reserve release, and they're talking about basically shrinking the balance sheet some more. So we'll see how much shrinking we can actually do before we go into a recession. If I should say when we go into a recession, the question is, is how soon can it be? But based on these trends that I'm seeing, it seems like we're actually either in a recession right now or heading towards one very soon. So when you look at the monthly housing prices, as you know, they're off the charts. They've really gone up a lot, and that is causing a lot of inflation. So the Fed is I thought this was a very good article because this research actually highlights the fact that if we don't get those housing prices under control, we're not going to be able to get inflation under control, especially if we can't control the energy prices as much. And given what's happening with the gas prices and everything else, I'm not sure that we can actually do that. So basically, economic activity is probably going to be affected. And what's interesting about that is that brings back to earnings, right? Because Wall Street right now still has pretty high earnings estimates. And so a lot of people lately, you've been hearing some investment managers and analysts say, hey, certain stocks are cheap, et cetera. And I noticed a lot of the stocks that they're talking about are kind of cyclical companies, and they could be more at peak earnings. So they could be trying to value the company at peak earnings or looking at the last five years or three years of earnings and averaging them and saying, hey, relative to those multiples, they're cheap. And we've seen this over and over again. This is kind of chartered financial analyst 101. You never want to value a company that is cyclical based on peak earnings. You want to base it based on normalized earnings. Benjamin Graham talked about that. It's something I think that many analysts are making that mistake. Many young analysts who haven't really seen a bear market yet are making these types of assumptions. I turned on CNBC and I was watching one analyst uh, who was talking about a stock that was getting pounded. And she was pounding the table about that stock that it was cheap when it was much higher. And it's investing is not always easy. We all make mistakes and you have to manage risk. If you worry about your investments, need to make complex financial decisions, or pay unnecessary taxes, a lack of proper financial planning and investing may already be costing you a great deal. When you are ready to turn your peace of wealth into peace of mind, go to WealthNetInvest.com and click on the Schedule a Call button to talk to us and get a free consultation today. I think what we're doing right now, and this happens almost all times we're at peaks in economic activity, is everybody is saying everything is okay when we start heading into a recession. Very rarely does the economist predict the recession and then we have it. It's the other way around. We already know we're already in it. The better predictors like the stock market and other leading indicators have already kind of flashed those signals as well. 
which leads me to what I was looking at with the technicals. Basically, we have been in a global stock market decline. I think that we are oversold in the short term because we had six strong down weeks in a row, which statistically, when that happens, you're due for a bounce up. But from a classical technical perspective, normally what you would expect would be a move up into a a zone called a roll reversal resistance, which is just where selling interest is likely to be held at that level. And if we follow the normal patterns that you tend to see psychologically, what you would see would be a decline in stocks from that level. So in other words, I think in the very short term, we could have a bounce up and then maybe roll over again. We could go down as much. The targets that I'm looking at are down 15% from here, and some stocks could go down 50% or more from here. So we're very cautious, and if you're a client, you know that we are very heavily in cash right now because we want to be opportunistic. You know, I've heard some people say, well, why do you want to own cash? It's not earning anything. The real reason to have a lot of cash is just really for the opportunity to be the ability to go in, and it's like an option to get in even more quickly into those opportunities as they come. So I'm telling investors to keep saving, keep putting money away, and have it ready, have that dry powder to take advantage of opportunities because a lot of money is made during market declines. There are already some companies that I think are ripe right now to invest in, but there's a lot less of them than I think people want to believe. At least that's what our analysis shows right now. And again, the beautiful thing is that when you have protocols or rules that help you Reverse course when you're wrong, that is the most important thing. I talk a lot about that in my book, Financial Freedom Blueprint, that the most important thing is to realize when you're wrong, cut your losses, right? And then to adapt to what is the reality right now. That is really important to be a great investor. But if you go through the stock market, I don't know if many people realize this, but we are in a global decline in stocks, right? So like if you look at the EFI index, which there's an ETF that tracks its symbol EFA, it's been in a decline from a peak for 48 weeks. So we've been going down for 48 weeks, down 21.29% from the peak to trough. The S&P 500 has been going down for 18 weeks from the peak. It is down 19.75% from peak to trough from high to low. The NASDAQ has been going down for 24 weeks. It's down 30.29%. And I'm looking at all the ETFs. That's EFA for the international, SPY for the S&P 500, and the triple Qs, the QQQs for the NASDAQ. So we have been in decline. Now, our portfolios have actually gone down quite a bit less than that. We have been managing risk throughout this. So it's really important to understand. And if you did not see that video that I did on how to measure your investment performance, check that out on our podcast and on our YouTube channel, because I talk a lot about how you can tell whether or not you're doing okay and what are the drivers to know if your performance is right and how to select a benchmark that's right for your performance. So check that out. I want to try to be helpful with this now. So given all this information that I mentioned, what are you supposed to take away from that? Well, here's a few things that I can think of. First of all, I would say that if you are in a situation where you're making real estate changes and you're about to sell and you want to make a move going somewhere else, I don't think it's too late to do that because normally where you're buying and you're selling, it's roughly at the same price. 
I think rates will probably continue to go up. Maybe mortgage rates can go up. So keep that in mind when you're making your transactions. I bought a place in Texas here recently to open a new office over here. And I locked in those rates immediately and at much lower levels, luckily, than they are today. But think that way. Think about locking sooner rather than later. If you're making a decision, lock sooner, don't wait. That would be my recommendation or at least consideration. I'm not actually making personal investment advice or financial planning advice for this. You want to check with your advisors on that, but just things to think about. And then the other thing I would mention is that if you have a portfolio where you do not know or have a good handle on what you own in that, get a review of your holdings to make sure you understand what you have and understand what rewards as well as risks are embedded and expenses and tax consequences that are embedded in your portfolio because we want to be a winner in this thing. And that's the whole thing is making great returns over time. And it's important to understand that in order to make money, you also need to know how to win and how to preserve money. There are times that preserving is more important than winning, right? And I believe we're in a position right now where that's the case. I don't know how long it's going to take before we get more into a the more opportunistic there. I think we're currently being slightly opportunistic, but most of the opportunities that I'm seeing are related to areas that people don't think about as being an investment, energy areas and certain companies without mentioning names, companies that have good, strong dividends, strong cash flow and trading at good valuations that have stabilized and are starting to move higher. So that's the other thing to keep in mind. This is the other piece of advice I'd give you is that nobody ever makes money unless the market recognizes your opportunity and pushes the price higher. So that's why you want to keep an eye on the actual supply and demand of the securities themselves and to look for stabilization and then a resumed or a reversal to an uptrend. Buying, trying to pick a bottom is very difficult. There's that old adage about don't try to catch a falling knife. It's better to let the knife hit the ground, wobble a little bit, and then pick it up really carefully. That, I think, is the environment that we are in right now and not to be too itchy in any way. And then the other thing is to not to be panicky. What can happen, if what happens is what I expect, is that we will likely have some panic because it could become realized that Wall Street estimates are going to go down that stocks are still too high or many stocks are still too high and that inflation is not going down and that we are actually heading into a recession and happens, then you could have more of a panic. And I will tell you, that's when the bottom happens. <laughs> At least historically, that's how bottoms occur. But keep investing, keep the faith and understand that investing is a long-term discipline it just requires a level head and there's times to preserve and there's time to be more opportunistic. And we're on the cusp of moving into an opportunistic mode. That's all I have for you right now. That's what's hitting my desk. Sometimes you have to kind of say it like it is and not sugarcoat things because I am not paid to tell people what they want to hear. I'm paid to help people get results and to meet financial goals. And I really just want to seek truth in what's happening for people and to not be overly ideological about anything. You could be overly ideological about being a value investor, or a growth investor, this, that, and the other. But more of a pragmatic way of investing works better. At least that has been my experience in practicing managing money for a couple of decades now. So I hope you're doing well, and we'll talk to you later. 
for the latest episode of the Market Call Show, make sure to like, subscribe, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Go to marketcallshow.com for all our past episodes and sign up to get alerts for new episodes. If you enjoyed the content of this episode, please leave us a five-star review and comments. Information in this podcast is informational and general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific, individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a final decision. WealthNet Investments is a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where WealthNet Investments and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure.